If he hadn't have been, where would we have been tonight? God bless you. So honored that you'd be with us tonight in the service, presence of the Lord. Come under great expectation to see what God is going to do. How many has a need in your life? You need things from the Lord? No doubt we all do. We're going to ask Brother Ron if he will come and just obey the Lord and speak what the Lord's placed on our heart. We'll be having a prayer line afterwards whenever he's finished. And if it uh, gets quite lengthy and you'd like to be dismissed, you can do that. Um, For those of you that want to stay, of course, you're welcome to stay. And we just come expecting the Lord to do wonderful things, changing lives. Um, Just in case there was a misunderstanding um, last night, Brother Tim was not saying that people that need the Holy Ghost and things like that cannot come through the prayer line. Uh, someone had asked that today, if, if people would needed the Holy Ghost and things like that, certainly they can. They can come through and, and receive that. We just believe the Lord has purchased everything we have need of. And he gave you a whole checkbook full of checks. For whatever you need, you just need to run it through heaven. And let's just believe him. Let's sing together, he touched me. I want to invite Brother Ron to come. For he touched me Oh, he touched me And many remembers it And oh, the joy that floods my soul Wonderful happened, and now I know He touched me and made me whole once again with all of our hearts. Oh, He touched me. Thank you, Lord God. He touched. And oh, the joy that floods my you glad that he can touch us amen Amen. i'm honored to be here stand here with you tonight 
like to say hello to every one of you and uh, so many friends here. I heard Brother Terry singing a moment ago. We go a long, 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 long way back and amen, I'm so thankful for that testimony. Amen. It's just good to be here. Amen. Good to be here. It's a miracle that I can be here. And uh, amen, we're thankful for that. So thankful for that. Thank you for every prayer that you have prayed and sent our way. They have been greatly felt. And uh, we're still journeying. Uh, we're still believing God. And uh, we know that He's the answer. We take chemo every day, but He's the answer. And He's the high physician. So glad to have my wife with us tonight. And so we just so love you with all of our hearts. We would like to congratulate you on such a wonderful place beautiful building and and uh, we know this is the vision of your pastor brother Donnie our friend and and uh, all of you and uh, he showed us each piece that you would do and took us through the building and as I was walking through I thought you know God planned it this way he planned it exactly like this and he was using your hands and your fingers and your minds to put it together but just wait till we get to our new home You know, you, you worked on it and you watched the process of it. It took the years that it took to build it. Now you're in it. And, and last night the preacher preached on the feeling of the presence of the Lord in this temple. And we felt him quite well. And we just know incredible sermons have already begun to come forth from this, this place. And, and uh, new souls have come. And God's got great big plans here. And then when we're done, we'll leave it to the beast. And so... But I thought as we walked through it, every place seemed to almost be overwhelming for me because it was our first time viewing it. And as I was walking through and I come through the Sunday school session back, section back there, and I thought how beautiful that was. I thought one of these days we'll walk through heaven. <laughs> and every place that we see will be breathtaking. And and just to see one another will be breathtaking. And so, amen. God bless you. We so love you with all of our hearts. Amen. What a wonderful sermon last night. I thought that was masterpiece. You know, he preached on the fire coming into this place and the presence of the Lord coming and and you know, that was more real than what you realize because we went home, we, we went to the hotel, we got in bed. 1.30 this morning, all the fire alarms went off. <laughs> we were standing outside together and I said, well, you preached it, here we are. <laughs> God bless you, Brother Tim. Amen, each and every one of you. I'm looking forward to what God has in store tonight. I'll speak to you for a little bit and then we'll... We'll just step into another realm and just ask the Lord to do special things. Now what I want to ask you to do is I want you to invite Him. Personally, I want you to invite Him 
to your place. Tonight I want to speak to you, to you. Monday night he dealt with me on this thought. He has come to your house. So if he would deal with me in that way, he's here. And he's always comes to do business. And it's individual. It's not my brother. It's not my sister. It's not other ones. I have a need. I personally believe that I can walk out of this building cancer free. That's what I have believe. I believe that with all my heart. I believe that. Amen. So I would like to thank you all for showing up with my visit with the Lord. Amen. Amen. There's just no one that cares for you like Jesus. No one. And tonight as we ask him to come to our house, he always comes where he's invited. And he keeps all of his appointments. If he said he would be here, and he reminded us on Monday evening in a very special way, he's come because of you. And so we believe it with all of our hearts, and we take him at his word. I'm reminded that sometimes in our courage, our courage sometimes fails and our strength fails. The night that the doctor Call me, I was in British Columbia speaking at your grandfather's church, Brother Wes. They called me five minutes before that I was to get in the car with Brother Tom and told me that I had cancer. And that night, I would speak on courage. God just orchestrates everything, doesn't he? Here's one of the opening statements. Courage is not having the strength to go on. It is going on when you don't have strength. Amen. Maybe you'd just like to say, Lord, come by my way. Come by my way. Heavenly Father, we have felt your awesome presence already in this building. And we know that you're here. As it was spoke last night, the feeling of the temple. And how many buildings are built that never are filled with your presence? How many people will sit in pews that will never get you? But I'd like to say thank you. Thank you that you've come to our house. I'd like to make you welcome. Now, Lord Jesus, you see our needs, Father. There's so many needs, it takes our breath. But Lord, there's not a one that you can't answer. Now Lord, as we ask you, Father, no man is a healer. We're only gifted to speak your word, to lay hands on the sick. That's what our commission is. But Lord, we know when you're here and your word is applied, you'll do the work. So Father, we thank you even like Jesus did before he prayed for Lazarus. I thank you that you hear me. Lord, and so we thank you, Father. I ask you that you would anoint me as I would speak the word for a few moments. 
Lord, and I thank you, Father, that there's great men that are standing prepared, that have laid aside time to prepare to, to, to get ready for a prayer line. But now, Lord Jesus, as we sit in our pews, we want to invite you to where we're at. We want to invite you to our certain spot now. Lord, we just plead with you, come, come to my place. Lord, we call out your, your name. Lord, come. Oh, God, help us today, Father. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. If you will turn with me in your scriptures to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. I, be, I believe there's no greater prayer that can be prayed than what Jesus prayed. And after this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Could you say amen with me? Amen. You may be seated. He has come to our house. Brother Branham said prayer is the key. That's the answer. We live in a world that's looking for an answer. We have it. Prayer changes things. Prayer is the most powerful weapon that's ever been put in the control of human beings. There's no atomic bomb, no hydrogen bomb as powerful as prayer. Prayer would change the mind of God. What an incredible statement a prophet would say to the bride of Jesus Christ who has authority with him. The scripture says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes, we are healed. How powerful and positive that that is. Brother Brandon would say in doors to a door, he says, if, if we could have someone to come to with the door of our house, we'd like to welcome them and welcome them in. If it was the Queen of England, and that's when she was alive, if it was the Queen of England, we would like to make her welcome. We'd be awestruck that she would come to our house. To leave a castle like that and, and to come and all the royalty and to come to our house. He mentions the presidents and great generals if they would come to our place. And if they would come, we would definitely like to make them welcome and give them the best that we could possibly give. But there's another one standing at our door. And he's never had to be political. He's never failed. He has never been in crisis. Why, as a matter of fact, he's always known where you was. Before there was ever a sun or moon or star. 
He knew the situation that you would be in tonight. So he provided for you and knows where you're at. So he knows the situation of your home. He knows the situation of your marriage. He knows the situation of what the doctors have been telling you all this time. He's in control of it. He has the answer. He's not in the practicing of, of medicine. He is in the perfecting of it. For he has provided a blood. So we come under great expectations tonight because tonight could change our lives. Lives, generations can be changed. Now, I'll just share this with you and every, every man here is gifted as a minister, gifted different. One morning I was preparing in my study at home and as I was preparing, the Lord showed me a vision it was a vision of a little boy in our church that had not been able to walk and it was way past the time for him to walk. He was not even making an effort. Wasn't even crawling on the floor. William and Sister Gabrielle, the other children would carry him from place to place. Wes was a wonderful little child. He would go to nobody else but his mom and his dad and his, his siblings. And in the vision that morning that the Lord showed me that, that I would step off of the pulpit and pick him up, that would be a miracle. And I would take him in my arms and I'd walk up the aisle with him and come back and then, and then pray. And he spoke to me, I have come to their house. When I walked into the office, Brother William is a minister there with us and he was standing there and, and no way could he understand what was about to happen. And I just looked at him and I said, William, I want to say this to you. Today, Jesus is coming to your house. As I, as I preached and I felt the nudge, I, I, I just kind of tarried for a moment, I felt the nudge again. It was on the third touch that I stepped off of the platform and I reached down and he reached up. That was number one miracle. And as I walked back, I walked back through the, through the aisleway and I walked back and I walked and I began to tell the congregation, this was the visitation that I had this morning. Man can't orchestrate anything. It is God that orchestrates it. And as we had prayer, and I handed him back into his daddy's arms, he was standing there weeping and praising the Lord. It wasn't immediately, but they began to video that child over the coming weeks and over the coming months, and now that guy runs all over the place. was a visitation with Sister Karen and a little fellow named Drew. A vision had been shown that he would walk. Months had passed and he would only stand near a couch. Sister Karen with brain bleeds and situations, she's in a better house now. Amen. And the Lord dropped in that room. He made a visit. And as God came and touched Sister Karen, 
that little boy immediately jumped and ran all over that house. No man can do that. No man can take the credit for that. And you say, well, Brother Ron, that was, you know, that was, you know, that's just a story that you're telling. Can we believe it? Well, let me tell you another. There was a little girl that had nobody that would send out a message to call, but she talked into a realm. She was reading a book. She had laid in a bed for nine years. She needed Jesus to come to her house. She needed him to come. No matter the unbelief that was in her home or the unbelief that was in the community or even to feel sorry for her, she needed more than sympathy. She needed more than just people to take care of her. She wanted to play the piano. She wanted to be well. She wanted to go to church. She wanted to serve God. And God sent his prophet by her way. You know the story. Had he right, poor as she could be. Today she owns more than houses because she said the right word at the right time. How many homes was Brother Branham in and, and they entertained him, but they didn't step into that momentum of that presence? I would say this today, when Jesus passes by, I want to call out to him at the right moment, at the right time. I want to catch his attention. You say, well, Brother Ron, timing, timing, sometimes it seems like it's happened, it's been so long. Well, no doubt in the scriptures it tells us that, that there was a personal friend of Jesus. that he'd ate a lot of suppers with. Heard a lot of stories. But now he's got sick. And now his friends are telling him Jesus was such a friend, but we bid him to come. If he was such a great pastor, if he's such a great Messiah, he would come and heal you. He breathed his last breaths. His sisters put him away. They rolled the stone. No doubt they had a lot of emotional feelings. You know, sometimes we think it's just, time's just passed by and we must have missed it somewhere. And Jesus began to make his way to their house. Today was going to be a different day. He wasn't going to come and give a eulogy. but he was going to remind them that I am the resurrection and I am the life. And they begin to say that they believed that the, he would come in that resurrection, but they didn't realize today was that day. This was their service. This was their moment. Sometimes you can't realize it before it happens, but after it happens. And Jesus asked him a real serious question. Where have you laid him? Oh, he, he must gonna anoint the tomb. Or he must gonna go, and, you know, and 
Maybe say some nice words. He was. That's exactly right. That's exactly what he was going to do. <laughs> and he stepped up before the tomb knowing what was getting ready to happen. Because he knew a couple of days ago what was getting ready to happen. But he had to wait till he went to sleep. He didn't die. He went to sleep. And he didn't wait till he goes to sleep. Sometimes God's waiting on us. And so he waits till he goes to sleep and now he comes because now it's time. God's always on time. So as he waits and, and then he stands there and he weeps, he weeps because he's going to have to bring him back to this world. Where he's at, he's not worried about politics, not worried about taxes, who's the president, not worried about the wars, not worried about his hating neighbors. He's not worried about any. He's going to have to bring him from that realm, fellowshipping with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Tell him then the testimonies of he's been with Jesus. And he's got to call him back for a little while. So he begins to weep. Weep because of their unbelief. Weep because he's got to bring him from that immortal realm back to mortal. Only to have to go back there again. And Brother Branham, you know, I think it's so incredible that, you know, Jesus could have just and blew the stone away. But he asked them, isn't he masculine? Get two women to roll a stone away. And no doubt, they begin to push and shove quite a heavy stone that no child could come and get inside of there. Heavy stone that's been sealed and they begin to push. It took an incredible amount of faith on their part. It'll take an incredible amount of faith on your part to leave your seat and walk through a prayer line. He can heal you there, but it's a prayer line that's been called. It takes energies to move stones. It takes faith to move those stones. Because moving the stone says, I believe. Whatever he says is going to come to pass. This is way out of human control. And he stood there and he said, Lazarus. We know the story. Brother Branham said, had he not called him by name, there would have become a general resurrection because he was the voice of the resurrection. God went to another house. There's a man named Job. God had had a conference with his enemy. He made his enemy. He created his enemy. And being God, he does good. He does good at whatever he does and he created a powerful enemy. The antitype to himself. One that would even sit in his right hand. He created him so powerful that even his children would have to struggle against him. 
was having a conference with all the angels and the enemy came before him and, and he said, where have you been? Oh, I have. I've been going all over Word of Life Church. I've been going all over the message of the hour. I've been searching to and fro whom I might destroy, whom I might devour, but you've got a hedge about those people. And God began to testify. There's nobody can testify like God does. Because he begins to testify that Job was perfect. He begins to testify, none like him in the earth. And then he gives him permission to go and begin to try him. And he puts it on parameters to where he can only go so far. You know, the enemy that you fight can only go so far. He can only go so far. You may think he's going to destroy you, but he would have already did that if he could have. Erica, he would have already destroyed you if he could have. He would have already took your life if he could have. You know the story. Job loses everything. His friends turn against him. His wife turns against him. It looks like that there's no way out. He doesn't have a letter from God saying that I, I testified and you're going to be all right. I, I find it very interesting when God comes to Job, he never talks to him about his finances. He never talks to him about his friends. He never talks to him about the balls on his body. He doesn't talk to him about his condition. He talks to him about his future. He begins to talk about an eternal realm. What Job was in was a very temporary realm. And God's not really, you know, he's not really so interested in that temporary realm. And so he says, Job, where was you? When I laid the foundations of the earth. Where was you at anyway? Sun, the moon, the stars, the zodiac, the first Bible. I put you there, Job. I thought of you there. And then he takes him to the end. When the sons of God will shout. He saw you there as well. He reminded you, Job, you're not going to be alone. I've got a bride. They're going to go through a lot of things and, and what's happened to you is going to be a testimony to them. None of them is going to have a day like you if that was the way he could talk to him. None of them are going to have a day like you. But they're going to be there. Would you like to him to come to your place and say, now, listen, regardless of what you're going through, I've got a seat for you at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And if you could catch a vision of who you'd be sitting beside of. You know, your, your troubles would pass away for a few moments. <laughs> the 
Jesus said in, in, in Mark chapter 10 and verse 27, Jesus looking upon them said, with men, it is impossible. It's quite a statement. With men, it is impossible. That takes us all in. But not with God. For with God, all things are possible. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live again. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. And he asked, believest thou this? Sister Linda, Jimmy didn't die. He's more alive there than he ever was here. Sister Karen is not dead. She's more alive there. She's more beautiful there than she ever was here. It's hard to believe. But that's the way God prepares. And he knows in just a few days we're gonna be there with him. And we'll forget all of this. David would say it like this, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures and he leadeth me beside of the still waters. And he restoreth my soul and he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, Sister Vicki, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies and thou anointest my head with oil and my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You read that. You read that since you was a child. No doubt you, you can say it by heart. But David writes that right after he writes Psalms 22, where he says that I will not suffer my Holy One to see corruption. I'm gonna just share this with you just for a point that it might help you. If he would not allow that Holy One to see corruption and Jesus was raised back to life before Satan could destroy his body, and it would not see corruption. You see, you was in him. And when Jesus stepped out of the tomb, Satan had bombarded him at every service. He had called him illegitimate since he was a child. He had made fun of him at 12 years old. At every meeting, even at the Mount of Temptation, he was there to bombard him. Bombard him. Every service, calling him a devil. Every service, making fun of him. Every service, questioning him. But when Jesus walked out of that tomb, Satan couldn't touch him no more. (laughs) 
Now, if he couldn't corrupt him then, he can't corrupt him now. And if you was in him, he couldn't corrupt you then, he can't corrupt you now. Sure, your flesh stinks. Sure, your spirit sometimes becomes contaminated. But the seed that's on the inside of you that's eternal, that God thought of before the foundation of the world, Satan can never corrupt that seed. He has parameters that he can fight. He knows that there's only so much time to work, so he bombards your mind. He bombards your flesh. He bombards your spirit. But there's a realm he can't get to. So you may be afflicted, but you're not defeated. You may have a lot of affliction in your life, but let me just say, in none of that will we be defeated. I stand here tonight before you without a miracle. I'm a dying man. I'm not scared. I'm not afraid. I'm not giving up. Why should we quit? Why should we run? Why should we be afraid? Sister Erica, we're not victims. We're victors. We are not helpless, but we're hopeful. We're not defenseless, but we're clothed in the armor of light. We are not powerless, but filled with the Holy Spirit. We are not alone, but are surrounded by a mighty host of angels. We've been armed with brothers and sisters around us that are a team, a body of believers. We are an invincible army. We will never be defeated. Hallelujah. We'll never be defeated. Never, 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 never be defeated. I like these words. When I fall, he lifts me up. When I fail, he forgives me. When I'm weak, he is strong. When I am lost, he is my way. When I'm afraid, he is my courage. When I stumble, he steadies me. When I am hurt, he heals me. When I am broken, he mends me. When I am blind, he leads me. When I am hungry, he feeds me. When I face trials, he is with me. When I face persecution, he shields me. When I face problems, he comforts me. When I face loss, he provides for me. When I face death, he carries me home. He is my God. He is my God.
He is faithful. I am his and he is mine. God is in control. I am on his side. And that means all is well with my soul. We have come to moments like this that we must make our stand. We must take courage regardless of what your situations are. You must press against the darkness. Maybe your bedroom has become a prison house, a place to where only others come to tend to you. God's with you. You may have been already got too old to roll over in your bed and your, your body is, is weak. God has not forgot you. He has not forsaken you. He's still your doctor. He's still your provider. It is we that get disappointed in the temporary situations and sometimes begin to doubt. But if we can only focus ourselves out beyond. The scripture tells us to be strong and of good courage. We must remind ourselves, we're believers. Regardless of what you hear in your ears, we're believers. We're God's sons and daughters. We didn't even choose to be that way. We're God's sons and daughters. That means that we're the most powerful people on the earth. People in Washington think they're making decisions for us. They only think that. There's another realm that's making decisions for us. sons and daughters of God, we're challenged and commissioned to fight. Brother Ron, I don't have the strength. If you can only move a finger, move a finger. If you can only say a word, say a word. We're not going to back up. Neither are we going to back down. We shall fight. He shelters us under his wings. He fights our battles. He wins our wars. We cast out Satan with the Holy Ghost. God has, or, has authorized us and empowered us to use the name of Jesus Christ for any need at any time under any condition. Now taking him at his word and by that authority, no matter how big that devil is, He is defeated. But being built the way he is, you've got to remind him. Don't forget your job. Remind him of who you are and remind him of that he is defeated. He don't have the keys to his own house. He is stripped. How humiliated that he must feel when he hears a child of God. You may not see the angels around you. You may not feel the holy presence of God around you, but that devil can see it. I 
I'm reading you some things that have been really powerful things in my journey. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields, in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. We will never surrender. We will fight for our families. We will fight for our children. We will fight for our healing. We will fight for deliverance. We will fight for joy. We will fight for peace. We will fight for the Holy Ghost. We will fight until our bodies are changed and we're sitting at the marriage supper of the Lamb. We will fight. Angelo Dundee was the trainer for Muhammad Ali, who is still considered today to be one of the greatest champions that ever lived. I'm not here to debate that, I'm just here to bring up a point. He said when he would get Muhammad in the, in the corner and he was getting beat up pretty bad, looked like he was going to lose the fight. He said, it was not my job to teach him how to fight. He knew how to fight. He said, it was my job as his trainer to remind him of who he was. So that's what your pastor does. That's what these men of God do. You know how to fight. You got the best equipment that there is. You are a champion of Laodicea. We just got to remind you of who you are and where you came from and what your mission on this earth is to do. Fight! You're an overcomer. This is your hour. When these worship warriors come in and they begin to lead you in worship. We know that we're not here to be entertained. We got great talent, we got great singers, that's been exhibited tonight. But all of that can happen and if we don't join into worship, if we don't join into worship, we miss the point. So we begin to clap our hands, we begin to rejoice, we begin to amen the word of God. We begin to enter into that realm. Satan would like for us to be casual. Because he knows if you get reminded of who you are and you get inspired. In your mind, if you stay at work or you stay with your troubles at home or you stay with your situations or the sickness, but if you can break through the barrier whether it's Wednesday night or Saturday night or Sunday morning, whatever it is, wherever you're sitting. Jesus has come to your house. Brother Ron, I can't sing, doesn't matter. God made you. He knew how you'd sound. He made you specifically the way you are. 
Brother Ron, I can't carry a tune. He knows. But nobody can say it like you can say it. Nobody can take your place. Nobody can clap their hands like you clap your hands. So let us rally to war. Let us stand shoulder to shoulder and worship God. That's what this building was built for. It is not an entertainment center. You've got one of the greatest preachers that ever lived in the history of time standing here as your pastor. But he's not here to entertain you. He's here to create war against the devil. He's here to remind you that we will win. become emotional. Die! How many quotes do we have to have that anything without emotion is dead and it ought to be buried? How many quotes do we need about stillborn children? We're a lively church. imagine how much havoc that it causes in a demonic realm when Satan has bombarded you all week long and you still come to church and you still take your place and when it comes time to worship you still worship God Brother Ron, you have got the right preacher. <laughs> Psalms chapter 150, verse 1. Praise you the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. That's his place. Praise him in the ferment of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. I appreciate Brother Tim telling us and reminding us tell your testimony. People get the willies when you start giving a testimony. I saw a vision. I saw this. I saw this miracle take place. Well, we saw it. We was there. We're the witnesses of it. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him for his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of a trumpet. Praise him with a sorcery and a harp. Brother Ron, I don't like all that noise. Don't go to heaven. As a matter of fact, don't go to hell. 
Everybody's naked there. There's no friends there. There's weeping and gnashing of teeth and screaming like there's never been screams on the earth. So it's going to be a noisy place. I choose to go to a place where we're going to be shouting and dancing and praising God throughout the eternities, worshiping the Lamb who is worthy of all of our worship and all of our praise. Praise Him with the timbrel and dance. Praise Him with stringed instruments and organs. Praise Him upon loud cymbals. Praise Him upon high sounding cymbals. Now, I'm going to give you an excuse right here. I'm gonna give you an out, they call it. Young people call it out. Let everything that hath breath Praise the Lord. So if you're dead, good time. Brother Branham says, I, I now challenge the devil to a debate. Satan, you are aware that you're whipped. You have no legal rights. Jesus Christ, my Lord, stripped you out of every authority that you have. When he died at Calvary to take away sin and sickness, and you're nothing but a bluff. And we're calling your bluff. And you know that when our Lord came to the tree, he cursed the tree and the next day it was withered. And our Lord said to the disciples, have faith in God. For if ye shall say to the mountain, be moved and don't doubt in your heart, but believe what you have said is coming to pass. You can have what you said. You've heard that quote so many times, you can quote it by heart. But let's just think about it in reality. Satan was standing there near the prophet when he said it. Nowhere on the tape do you hear Satan say, uh, oh, I got all of my power. He couldn't argue with what the prophet said. I think it's nice when Satan has to amen the word. Now I think about a night like tonight. Satan knows that there's a prayer line getting ready to happen. He's even sensible enough to know that he's gonna get defeated tonight. 
because it was paid for at Calvary. You say, Brother Ron, but I've had some really rough days. I can tell you about rough days. I want to share something with you that's been real blessed to my heart. On the roughest of our days, the lowest hours of our despair, even in those times, we're still chosen. We're blessed. We're favored. We're forgiven. We're loved of God. We're victorious on our roughest days. We're inheritors of all of heaven's glory. We're privileged to walk with the King of Kings. We're married to him. And he calls us his beloved. We're strong in faith. We're armed to fight devils. We're entrusted with God's word. We have the most powerful weapon at our disposal. And we are protected by our almighty God. I want to remind you, when he placed the hedge about you, you're more protected than Biden. And you should be. You're more protected than Donald Trump. And you should be. You're more protected than any dictator that there is in the world. Hollywood celebrity. Brother Ron, I don't sin, I don't see it. Psalms 91 said you're encamped about with the angels of God to protect you. Brother Ron, I've been through some tough things. Just imagine what you would have went through without them. Brother Branham was asked, why does God let troubles come? And Brother Branham explains, God harnesses troubles and put bits in its mouth and makes it obey him. And those troubles bring us closer to God. Three years ago, I heard the voice of the Lord speak to me. On that day, Sister Connie and I were preparing a meal for our entire family. As they would come in, we actually hugged and we kind of did a little dance in our, what we called the ballroom. And I said, life just couldn't get better. Be careful what you say. In two weeks, you know, things changed. Later that day, the Lord spoke to me. And in his speaking to me, he said, if you'll trust me, I'll use you like never before. Me and these brothers back here have seen some of the most phenomenal miracles that it's known to man. From the dead raised to people coming out of wheelchairs, the deaf here, I see. Cerebral hemorrhages literally dry up. We, we've seen incredible things take place. Cancers dry up and die. 
So when I heard that, I wrote it down real quickly, put a date and a time stamp with it, put it on my wall, put it, put it on my calendar, placed it in my computer. You know, it was a lot of things I was thinking, how is he gonna use me? Maybe in a greater way, maybe to see visions more clearly, maybe to understand the word greater. In no way as a human being could I understand that the trouble was laying ahead of me of cancer. Brother Roy Shrewsbury would call me. Brother Tim was at our place. Brother Roy Shrewsbury would call me and he would say, I was praying to God. And he said, I was, I was praying to God. He said, God spoke to me about you, Brother Ron. And he said, tell Brother Ron that he is like Daniel and he's preparing to go into a place to where no man has ever lived. But he needs to tell the king, oh king, I'll see you in the morning. Doctors say that I'm in the 1% category. They call me a phenomenon. They say, everybody else, we've got a lot of patients taking the same chemo that you're taking. It's not the chemo. I, I thank God for that, and I take it. Brother Bram said, if you go to a doctor, take his medicine. But I take that chemo. It makes me sick. It makes me go through a lot of different things. It destroys organs in my body. But it's the faith. I wear a pin on my jacket because the doctors tell their other patients there's a preacher that's in the 1% category. He's taking this same medicine, but he's doing something that's working. And you'll know him by the pin on his jacket. say this to you. Cancer is a vicious demon. It is no puppy to play with. It's not for sissies. When I get shots in my back and they put needles in there about that long to try to help me, I take, I take chemo about 30 pills a day. I take eight to 10 shots of, for, for diabetics. I, 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 I do that every day. I have to watch it. I'll check it here in a few moments. It'll be okay. That's why I'm drinking Coke. It's a real thing. <laughs> but God's greater than cancer. Yeah. You see, uh, there was a conversation with a prophet and a mighty angel in a very special place called a cave. And he was going to be sent around the world and he would give excuses of why he couldn't do it. That all the diseases would not be able to stand before his prayers. And he specifically called our disease cancer. So you may be eaten up with cancer like I am today, but it does not have to control you. 
finish, not the winner. Brother Ron, what should I do? Ignore it. Move on. Prepare for the next sermon. Brother Branham tells us that Satan cannot take your life until God is finished with you. Nothing happens to you unless God permits it. Brother Mike, I've said it so many times and I said it at your place. If you hear Ron Spencer died, don't believe it for a second. I will be more alive there than I am here. Now let me quickly preach to you. Remember, our God is still the God of Elijah. He is still the same God that ever was. He's always been the same God. He's never been defeated. He's never lost one ounce, iota, period, or comma. He's never lost none of his power. He can heal the greatest disease in the world. It doesn't diminish it. He can save the worst harlot, prostitute, worst drunk, dope addict. And it does not diminish his power, none whatsoever. Brother Ron, I'm too far. God knows the darkness of hell. He knows how to come and get you. Brother Branham is in prayer. He said, Satan, you who bound these people, you're exposed tonight. Your grips are lost. You have no legal authority at all. Jesus Christ robbed you and stripped you at Calvary. And we come as the church of the living God in the name of Jesus Christ. I adjure thee to leave every person in the building. Come out of the people, thou devil. I adjure thee by the living God. Leave. Pretty powerful word. Leave. Brother Ben, that's no, no, you, you don't have to put it any more eloquent. Leave. Satan's a squatter. Leave. You don't have the title deed to this property. Leave. Say it with me. Leave. Brother Ram says, have faith in God. Oh my, how the devil has to recognize the supreme authority of Jesus Christ. Not me. He hates me. He don't have to mind me, but he has to mind who I represent. He has to mind who sent me here. Now, the scripture says in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 2, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. It doth not yet appear what we shall be, 
But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. The scripture says, greater is he. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. It is not you that's scared, it's him that is scared. I love these words. I've been sick before, but I made it. I've been broke before, but I made it. I've been broken hearted before, but I made it. I've cried all night long, but I made it. I've been betrayed, but I made it. I've been lied on, but I made it. I've been left destitute, but I made it. I've been rejected, but I made it. I want to remind the devil, I have made it. For those that have known me for all these years, you know this is my favorite scripture. Isaiah chapter 54 and verse 17. No weapon. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. I'm not some young buck preacher that don't have blood. I have been fighting a long time. And I want to remind the devil, no weapon. is formed against thee shall prosper. Every tongue that shall rise against thee in the judgment, thou shalt condemn. So every demon that has tormented you all this time, write their names down. Make a list. You're the ones that's gonna put him in hell. I'm trying to behave. <laughs> Brother Branham talks about a woman that has came to a meeting. She can't get in. And Brother Branham, you know, you know how everything's orchestrated by God. Brother Branham runs into her. If you don't mind, I'm going to read it to make sure that you get it. Sir, I'm looking for my papa. We have came over from Memphis to see the healer. My papa was trying to find a way for me to get in, but... He told me to stand still, but they, they have pushed me out of place and I've lost where I was standing and I'm blind and I can't find my way back. Would you be so kind to help me to get to the bus where my papa can find me? Now this seemed like, now this seemed like a hypocrite, but I said, what did you say that you come over here to see? She said, I come to see the healer. 
She said, you sir, I've been blind for years. And she said, I heard on the radio this morning of a man who got his sight. And Papa got the money ready and we chartered a bus and, and I come over to see him. Now they say that you can't get near the building. Brother Branham's response. You don't believe in such stuff as that, do you? In the days when we've got such fine doctors. She said, but you see, sir, they can't do me no good. So when they tell you four months to live and you're at the point of your death, make ready. There's another doctor. Imagine how bad that it badgers Satan. He's been getting so close, but he can't take this preacher's life. And I walk right up in a pulpit. I don't look like I got cancer. I don't act like I got cancer. I don't just sound like I got cancer. I don't preach like I got cancer. Who wins? But you see, sir, they can't do me no good. I said, do you mean to tell me that you believe that the prayer of a man would do something for me or for you. And she said it like this. I'll never forget it. She said, I'll tell you the, what I'll do. If you'll just help me to get in where the man is, then I'll find my papa. your circumstance. Tell me about your future. <laughs> I thought of blind Fanny Crosby. She'd heard of this other man being healed and the other blind person. And I thought of Fanny Crosby when she wrote, pass me not, O gentle Savior. Heal my humble cry. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. Thou stream of, thou Thou the stream of all my comfort more than life to me. Whom have I on earth beside thee or whom in heaven but thee? While God is healing in the Angelese temple, he can heal in this upper room. He's the God who healed that man in a wheelchair last night, brought back the cancer off of the cot to rejoice and he couldn't even move. He's the one who healed that little Ricky, the one who sent the message all the way across the sea and spoke to the woman dying with diabetes. And here sits his sister, her sister here this morning called back. He's that same God now. I looked at her and said, I, I may be the one that 
you're supposed to see. See how God locks things just exactly right. Why was I taken out back? She grabbed me with the lapels of my coat like that. She said, are you the healer? And I said, no, sister, I am not. I'm just your brother. I want to see the healer. I hope that you see him someday. I believe that you will. What is your name? Brother Branham. You're the one that I want to see. Now, no one knows me. I'll pray for you. But don't let it be known. Take, my, take your hand. And I couldn't pull her hands off of my lapel. She wasn't going to miss it. I haven't wasted my time rehearsing a story. Don't miss it. She said, that's all I'll ask you about. We bowed our heads and while we were praying, I heard a scream. She ran out into the lot throwing people one way and the other. She fell down on the, gr- on the ground screaming, I once was blind. I don't know what your testimony will be, but she said, I once was blind. You once had a wayward son, you thought he would never come back. He once was wayward, but now he's come back. Can I go to one more house before I come to yours? It was a house of a man that was quite well known in the community, especially in the religious world. He had quite power and quite authority. When he walked down the street, everybody was nodding to him. He was well looked up to in the community. But his daughter had become sick. Now he had heard echoes that there was a healer in the land. No doubt he had heard a lot of stories and they made sense. And maybe in the heart of hearts, this is what he had been looking for all along. He saw the facade of a church. He saw people that were full of dead man's bones. He saw an empty religion that couldn't produce what he said it could produce. And there was a hunger in his heart. But now trouble had come to his house. Always makes a difference when it comes to your house. As long as it's over yonder or over there or over there, it doesn't matter quite as much. But when it comes to your house. Oh, it don't mean you don't pray with fervency, but when it comes to your house. It grips your heart. It, it literally punches you in the gut. It causes you to lay awake night after night after night. was smart enough to know I can't heal her and what I've got can't heal her and if it costs me everything Mom. 
preaching to me now. If it costs me everything, I got to get to him. He couldn't call out to a servant to go. Servant didn't have the burden. He couldn't call out to another affiliate to go. They'd only shame him. He had to go. God will put you in a spot to where you got to go. He took off his religious hat because it didn't work. He took off his religious cloak because it didn't work. And today when he walked down the street, he wasn't dressed like he was yesterday. Today he's on a mission. He's not headed to the local bread store. He's not headed to the hardware store today. He don't know where he'll find him. But he's got to get to Jesus. He knows those people that have called him brethren, looked up to him, are going to disdain him and not like him anymore. Going to make fun of him. But he's willing to forsake it all to get to Jesus. Then when you get there, you got to get his attention. But Jesus knew before you was coming. Isn't it incredible when Jesus says, okay, I'll go home with you. I'll come to your house. I'll come to your house. Drew don't have to be crippled all of his life. His children don't have to be crippled. That cancer that you're fighting, it, you can break the cycle of that and your children doesn't have to break the cycle. What about your sin cycle? Much worse than cancer. Wouldn't it be incredible to think about as Jairus, now Jesus is coming to his house. It's not just a wish, it's not just an if, but now he's making steps with him. And he's telling him, don't you fear. You only believe. I know something about fear. The first two months of my diagnosis, I woke up every morning weeping and crying, tormented. These two men sitting behind me made a surprise visit to my home. You know, there may be a lot of people make fun of these two men, but I consider them the most powerful people on the earth. When we surprisingly, to me, picked up Brother Tim Pruitt at the airport, I didn't know that Brother Donnie Reagan and Sister Carol was sitting in my living room. Brother Ron, you're talking about Jesus coming to your house. Well, he did. I don't know what you're looking for, but he did. 
We'd just been together just a few moments. And I asked them not, you know, I asked them immediately, I don't want to live with this thing no longer. I don't want to live with this torment. Maybe you're sitting in your pew and you can make the same statement. I don't want to take this home. I'm tired of lying and cheating. I'm tired of stealing. I'm tired of lusting. I'm tired of being in pornography. I'm tired of this tormentor in my life. I don't want to leave this building with that. Let me just say this to you. They begin to pray. Your pastor spoke in tongues for about 10 minutes. Brother Tim rebuked the spirit of fear and torment of cancer, the spirit that comes with cancer. I want to tell you, the moment that they stopped praying, that left. It has never returned. Once you come into contact with Jesus, it doesn't make any difference what the critic says. It doesn't make any difference of what everybody else says. It don't make no difference. When we are with you with Jesus, everything is gonna be all right. Now everything is orchestrated of God. Maybe to even build his faith just a little bit more. There was a woman that had suffered with a blood issue. And she had been to the best doctors in the world. And they couldn't help her. They could only take her money, but they couldn't help her. But she decided... If Jesus is not coming to me, I'm going to him. Sometimes you got to make a journey. It might be 17 hours, but you got to make a journey. She didn't need a private interview. She didn't need him to tell her her story. She didn't need nothing. Others were, were trying to keep her back. She was unclean. Nobody else could help her. They only was her critic. But she had a revelation in her heart. I don't need him to call my name. I don't need him to lay his hands on me. If I can only touch the hem of his garment. I know, I know I'll be well. You know the story. Who touched me? She never lived with that ever again in her life. It was over. Pretty incredible when it's over. You've had cancer all this time and then it's over. I'm going to live that. I'm going to come back here and preach to you. I lived cancer. Maybe it was in a prayer line. 
while I was praying for you and I felt something come on the inside of me. I felt something move through my brain and something through my lungs and something through my lymph nodes. I just felt him. And he watched that take place. Then one of his preacher friends came. Trouble not the master. Your daughter's dead. Bad news doesn't trouble Jesus. Don't worry, bad news doesn't trouble Jesus. It, it only makes the story better. Stupid devil. not be socially correct, but I want you to say it with me. Stupid devil. (laughs) Jesus reminding him again, I'm with you. When I left where we was, I'm going to complete my mission. I'm on a mission to come to your house. And she's not dead. She's asleep. No doubt as they got closer, they heard the, they heard the music playing and the wailing and crying. Jesus didn't applaud them. What is this? She died. She's not dead. She's asleep. He didn't ask them to join in prayer. He cast the unbelief out. Sometimes you gotta dismiss service so the unbelief will leave. That was a gouge, I know, I know it was a gouge. We're from the southern part of heaven, you know. We're fighters. <laughs> trying to co- compose myself for a moment. There wasn't a question in his mind of what was getting ready to take place. I want to, I want to, as we come to the end, there's not a question in my mind of what's getting ready to take place tonight. If Brother Donnie felt led for us to come and God gave us these words to preach, then God's on a mission. When he told me Monday night exactly what to say and what to preach, then he's going to do some work. And there's people that are sitting in this building one way and they're going to leave another way. Maybe your heart is filled with sorrow. Let it be filled with joy. Maybe you need the Holy Ghost. You can be so full until the devil don't know what to do with you. 
Whatever disease that you've got, you came in one way. You can walk out a different way. I believe that with everything that is within me. How strongly do you believe it? Brother Branham said when that little boy was laying there dead in Finland, he said you could have lined up every devil in hell and they couldn't stop it. Brother Branham said he knew by the vision that that boy in just a few minutes was going to be up off of the ground and was going to be totally well. standing around him. It don't matter what they say today. Every devil lined up, but they couldn't stop it. They can line up tonight, but they can't stop what God wants to do for you. Maybe we could call her name Erica. You can pull all the sheets you want to, but when Jesus walks in the room. She has a purpose, and we remind God she has a purpose to be a wife, to be a daughter, to be a mother. And we come to destroy the works of the devil. Brother Ron, aren't you afraid? No, I know what side I'm on. I haven't found you yet, Sister Vicki, but your pastor told me a few moments ago that Brother Terry had been caught. There you are, pretty hat. Your pastor told me that your husband had been carrying you in and out of church the last couple of years. But you know when you get well, you become a socialite again. And your husband winds up sitting in the car being impatient. Brother West, we were in Pigeon Forge here months ago, and you prayed that morning. You know, if we could get to Brother Ron, have him pray for our daughter. You know, we're only about four or five hours away. Pray for our daughter. And your mother ran into Sister Connie in a store, and Brother Ron was just a few stores down. Listen, you go to Pigeon Forge, there's two more million people with you. You go there to relax and two million peoples went to the same spot. He praised that prayer that morning. And that morning we sat down and had plans. And I told Connie, I said, you know, I, I feel strange. Those plans won't work. Maybe we can do something different. And so we did something different. And we wound up at that mall. Even God goes to Tanger Mall.
can't orchestrate it. You asked me to pray. We didn't go somewhere secretly and privately. We joined hands right there on the sidewalk. I don't have a count, but maybe 12, 15 of us. I'm not ashamed. climbed into a car after a tent meeting and I'm done and when I climbed into the car they called me they said brother Ron there's a little girl in a wheelchair will you come and pray for her and I got back out of that car and I as I got out of the car I said she'll be well And I walked under that tent. Her mother was not a believer, but she had heard about this meeting. I took her feet into my hands, and they were balled up. And as I prayed, I felt her feet release. She said, I believe I can walk. Jesus came to her house. The interesting thing was, Brother Joel, the interesting thing was, as she was running, I said, God put it in your heart to bring her, but he's really after you. You're a pop music star and you need Jesus Christ. I'd give that music up and give my life to Jesus Christ and she fell right in that moment and gave her her life to Jesus Christ. One more, can I get one more? I was with Brother Tom Ray and Brother Murphy Wong and Brother Glenn Gruner in China. And we were preaching to hundreds of people. And Brother Tom told me, he said, don't wear a sports jacket, don't wear a dress shirt, don't wear a tie. When I left, when I was getting ready to leave the room, the Lord spoke to me, he said, find a tie. I went up and down the hall of that hotel, knocking on doors, I didn't care who answered. I needed to find a tie. I didn't know which room Glenn Grunert was in and I knocked on his room. He opened the door and said, what do you need, Brother Ron? I said, I need a tie. He said, we're not supposed to wear one. I said, the Lord told me to put on a tie. He said, I'll find one. When Brother Tom met me in the elevator, he said, Brother Ron, you're breaking the rules. I said, he told me. He said, good deal. <laughs> I preached a sermon, said, we must get to Jesus. Yeah. 
the end of that service. It was a six-hour prayer line. I'm not prophesying. But before that prayer line ensued, there was a woman crawled from the back of that building on her hands and knees. She said she didn't feel worthy to stand. And I was bent over praying for somebody else. And she reached up and there's a picture somewhere with her fingers on my tie. God knows. I had to have a tie on so she could touch it. I, wanted, I got news for you. She went home well. All of us could stand here and give testimony for weeks and months. We'll do that for the rest of our life. Not because that we're the healer, but because he is the healer. Not because that we're the savior, but because he's the savior. We're only his representatives. And we terrify Satan. So we've come one more time to do it again. Not for a show. We're not in the entertainment business. But for his glory. It is because your need has got his attention. Your need got his attention. We started out this service by reminding you Ask him to come to where you're sitting. Because we want your faith to be built not on a preacher, but on God. That when a minister does what he's called to do and commissioned to do by the act of laying on the hands, that you believe that more than a man laid his hands on you that by the authority of the Word of God, the eternal God, the God that never fails, if you can raise that faith enough to expect, you can walk out of this building totally well. You can walk out of here full of the Holy Ghost. And that little question in your life I feel it even now. That devil of torment that's been worrying you in your mind and telling you lie after lie, I want you to tell him he's defeated right now. Amen. Could we stand just now? Thank you for your patience with me. Heavenly Father, we stand here tonight. We believe your word with all of our hearts. We have felt your presence. We've felt the world of the presence of the Lord. 
Your angel's here. You're among us. You promised that you would be here and you keep all of your appointments. Now, Lord, we're like a little woman that sold all that she had and bought the best alabaster box that she could get. Lord, I want to give you my best. I don't want to give you halfway. Lord Jesus, tonight, there's many needs all through this building. And I stand with men of God that have been commissioned by the greatest message that there's ever been. Father, nobody can take Brother Branham's place. But Lord Jesus, we're we're under the same influence of that. And we believe the same word. Now, Father, Lord, your children have incredible needs. I do. So I have expectation tonight to what, regardless of what doctors have said, that I can be well. That I can preach hundreds more sermons, not for my glory, but for yours. That I can be the father, I can be the husband, I can be a pastor, not weakness, but in strength. Lord Jesus, there's homes here that Satan's trying to wreck but they don't have to leave here like that. Lord, there's people here with all kinds of diseases, but they don't have to leave here like that. Now, Satan, I know you're here as well, but I want to remind you, you don't have the keys to your house, and you know that. You have been stripped. You have no bow, no arrows for your bow. You're a liar. You're a bluff. And you're defeated in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Father, Lord Jesus, as these children walk through this prayer line tonight, I pray that their faith arises to a level like never before. Touch them now. And your words to that little girl was, damsel, arise. And we repeat that story over and over again because you went to Jairus' house. Now let us repeat the story that that same Jesus came to our house. If you'd like, and we'll kind of tell you the direction that we're going to run the prayer line and all. For all of those of you that desire prayer, um, we'll be lining up around through here, coming this way. Instead of bringing it up on the platform, we'll have to take up the steps and then down the steps. Ministers will be standing, start right here and line up here. So you just come down the aisle, straight across. Shout out, run out, however you want to get out. It's just a leave free.
leave free. Leave changed by the power of God. Deacon Brothers will come at their post and help us to be able to line everybody up. Every minister, if you haven't already, come up and sit up here in the front. If you're here tonight and you'd like to help us to pray for God's children, you're certainly welcome to come and, and be with us. And remember, this is for the ministry of the Lord, that Jesus can continue his work that he started 2,000 years ago when he came to the earth. This is not for any preachers, Brother Ron has already said. To get any credit, any glory, any honor, it all goes to the Lord Jesus. That's what we believe, isn't it? So whatever you have need of, and if there's some that's that's really urgent and you need to come first, you can you can come ahead. And for those of you that if it gets long, you don't want to stay, we certainly understand that. You can uh, go out and get you some food on your way out. And service in the morning at 11. We so thank you for coming and being here being a part of this service and we trust that the Lord will, will bless you. If you'll just come, you can start singing something. Minister Brothers, if y'all would line up here a double row. <clears throat> Deacon Brothers, if you'll come. Any of you that wants to be prayed for, you can just stand up, move out of your seat, line up along this wall over here. Free. 
sand and I want to be standing by your side holding your hand so that your kingdom come let it live in me this is my prayer Lord this is my plea let the worshipers Sons and his daughters sing. Oh, I'm surrendering my all. I surrender to the King. Let the worshipers arise. Father, I hear it going loud The song of your redeemed As the saints of every nation She's awakening the sing From our hearts there comes an anthem Oh, here our praises ring This is a song A song to the King Let the worshippers Sons and the daughters sing. I'm surrendering my to you, Lord. I surrender to the King. Oh, let the worshipers rise. Let the sons and the many physicians Oh, yet grew worse so to Jesus She came 
the living just because he lives oh because he lives I can face tomorrow oh because he lives all my
God knows what He's done for me. You don't know like I know what He's done for me. Well, you don't know like I know what He's done for me. What the Lord has done. When I think about all He's done for me, I get happy when I think about all He's done for me. Well, I get happy when I think about all He's done for me. What the Lord has done for me. Oh, and I dance when I think about what He's done for me.
and with each love and faith He was drawing me to give a higher Keeps holding me. 
There's healing in the presence. There's healing. 
out your grace till the day you take us all away. So we cry out your name. El Shaddai, God of
surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies. So all my fear is gone. I'm no longer a slave. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. Oh, I am a child of God. I'm no Yeah. 
humble ourselves now as we pray. Oh, renounce in every sin and wicked way. Thy voice, seek your face and say, Lord, send the rain. Your spirit, let the fire fall, heal us one and all, fall fresh on me. on me oh, oh Lord called by your name oh we humble ourselves now as we pray oh renounce in every sin and we can Yeah. 
in control I got Satan on my trail But I'm singing all this well He's attacking every day But I'm watching while I pray No matter the attack I won't turn back Cause this means war This means war This means war This means war This means war
victory over the enemy and the world can't do me no harm oh i've got victory over the enemy and the world can't do me no harm oh i've got victory But I've been through the storm and the wind and the rain God still same I know I've got victory over the enemy And the world can't do me no harm Oh, I've got victory over the enemy And the world can't do me no harm I've been Battle. Got the battle scars to show But I've come through the valley of the shadow of death I fear no evil at all oh, I've got victory Christian race. 
week when he comes whispering in your ear tonight's the night i got my healing i got my victory whatever you come tonight to get amen you drive that down remember the minister brothers as they recover tonight brother david silers he'd be speaking in the morning service at 11 they've got some uh, bags of sandwiches out in the uh, fellowship hall after service if you want to sit you can go to the end of the parking lot down there to the pavilion and sit tonight amen just come back in the morning expecting believing Amen for another great service. We're going to let Brother West dismiss us in song tonight, but you're dismissed this evening. Oh, it is finished. The battle is over. Oh, it is finished. There'll be no Jesus, he's Lord, oh yes it is.
aren't you glad? Oh, when it is finished and Jesus is Lord. Oh, yes, and it is finished. The battle is over. Oh, it is finished. There'll be no And while he was gone, the enemy came and stole everything that he had. But David encouraged himself in the Lord, made up his mind, said, I'm on my way down to the camp, and I'm taking what's rightfully mine. I'm taking it back. I'm taking back everything that the devil stole from me. I'm taking it back. I'm taking it back everything that the devil stole from me. Back my soul, my dance, my joy, my peace. I'm taking it back. I'm taking it back. Everything that the devil stole from me. Oh, now one day King David came home to his city called Zinclair. And while he was gone, the enemy came and stole everything that he had. Oh, but you see, David encouraged himself in the Lord, and he made up his mind. Said, I'm on my way to the enemy's camp, and I'm taking back what's rightfully mine. I'm taking it back, I'm taking it back, everything that the devil stole from me. I'm taking it back, I'm taking it back, everything that the devil stole from me. Taking back my song, my dance, my joy, my peace. I'm taking it back, I'm taking it back, everything that the devil stole from me. I'm taking it back. Everything that the devil stole from me, I'm taking it back. I'm taking it back. Everything that the devil stole from me, taking back my song, my dance, my joy, my peace. I'm taking it back. I'm taking it back. 
today His kingdom is under attack Oh, see, I'm on my way down to His camp And I'm taking my property back I'm taking it back I'm taking back everything that the devil stole from me I'm taking it back 